everybody it's josh and joe flipping mats wading flats podcast back for another episode we are joined today by owner operator of fish tackle and marine here in san antonio texas will laws will how's it going today bud going good going good happy to have you guys here in the store and getting together and, and, and shooting this Sorry, talking to the mic. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all new at this right? yeah <laughs> learning every day this is wet line use. Right. <laughs> That's right. Well, man, we appreciate you uh, letting us use your store to record the podcast, and hopefully, uh, sounds like we're going to be doing a few more from the from your location here, and we can uh, hopefully wait. have you on a lot more. Let's make it happen. Rock <laughs> and roll. Absolutely. So, how did you uh, how did you get started, Will? Let, let's hear the let's hear the the backstory behind Will Laws from when I grew Bass up, Pro Shops, all the way back when I was little, or kind of like. Let's do a quick Bass summary of yeah. like when you were little to Bass Pro Shops and then get into your store because that's that's what I really want to know about. Gotcha. Uh, Mom always told me I started fishing at the age of three years old. That's when she let my dad take me like, hey, he's yours. Don't kill my baby while he's out fishing. You know, Caught my first fish on Canyon Lake, my first bass. And I was kind of hooked ever since after that. Got into fishing because of my dad and my grandmother and my grandfather. And if you ever come in a store, you see some of my old, uh, like some of the old electronics and stuff hanging on the walls, some of my grandfather's stuff. But uh, that was kind of the journey of my fishing career, getting started was you know, through my, my dad and my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, after that, you know, played football, went to high school, grew up, all that stuff, and kind of fell out in love with fishing, stopped fishing for a while, and uh, chasing girls and all that, playing basketball, football, and all that. And being a competitor, you know, you want to be competitive all the time, you want to do all this stuff, and after you graduate, get out of high school, all that, you know, college, all that stuff done, it's like, well, what do you do? And so fishing was like, hey, you've been fishing your whole life, get back into fishing. So that's kind of how I got back in my groove of fishing and everything. And once I got back in the groove of that, me and my dad were taking my grandpa's boat and and fishing and everything. And some reason I got, hey, I'm going to get a job at Bass Pro. And I got a part-time job at Bass Pro and started meeting people, talking to people. And Texas fishing was like booming at the time. And there was people just random people that never, you know, fished and never in their lives, they were catching 10 pounders and stuff at, at Choke Canyon and almost like When, when did you start at Bass Pro? Um, 2000, in the 2007, beginning of 2008. Yeah. So that was like the heyday when yeah. Bass Champs and all them, if you didn't have 40 pounds, you weren't winning. That's kind of how I met Josh too, Bass Pro and you know, fishing there. I, I started a Bass Club, Elite Bass Club, and we could hold our meetings and all that stuff at Bass Pro too, so. That's kind of how Josh came into the picture. He joined the club. We kind of became friends, and the rest is kind of history as far as the club stuff goes. I really don't run it that much anymore. I'm still part of it, hang out with the guys, but it's kind of doing its own thing right now. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you definitely had a lot of things change between when you started the club to what you do now. And I, I even think since you started the club, I mean, when I remember first meeting you and Bass Pro and everything, you've even had your – ebbs and flow with fishing between then and yeah, yeah, how hardcore you are back into yeah. it again now, you know, yeah. cause as much as God, as much as I wish I could make a living and pay all my bills working at Bass Pro and everything, we can't do that. Yeah. So I, I know- consider that my fun money. All the time. Okay. <laughs> I would get paid enough being part-time and just go back and up into the, to the store. But yeah. 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 I know for sure, man. Yeah. I mean, that's how I met Will uh, was through uh, actually some mutual friends when he started up the club, Marcus and Mikey G and guys that I used to fish the Friday nighters with up at Medina, they all knew Will and they were like, yeah, man, this guy's starting this club. It's pretty legit. I think I got in probably the second year. I wasn't one of the original OGs, but I was there probably second, maybe third year after it started. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been there ever since I am a, uh, as our uh, last elite bass club, secretary put it i am the most active inactive member in elite bass club history thank you thank you thank you john mcgee i'll get on group me with the best of them fish one tournament a year here we go what's crazy i think about it now how i started the bass club is one one night we're stocking shelf and uh one of the guys came up to me he was like hey you fish with any clubs i was like no you should start a you know a fishing club and i'm like hey i don't have time for that so the idea kind of started in bass in, in the aisles of bass pro 
It was like his name was actually Kyle, Kyle Merrick. That's what I was talking to that night. Is he the guy that used to live up in Medina Lake? Yep. Yep. Okay, yep. yeah. Mr. I fish, FLW, Kyle Merrick, yeah. Um, it's a, kind of an inside joke. I always <laughs> about fishing, FLW stuff. Uh, yeah, and so I got on Texas Fishing Forum. I made a post about, like, hey, starting a, anybody in San Antonio surrounding areas, anybody want to join a club? And I don't know what I was thinking. A bunch of grown men showed up. Bass Pro that Tuesday night, I think. I had, like, five or six people show up in there, and that was kind of the – the rest of history after that. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So uh, coming full circle, you know, you started fishing, fell out of fishing, got back in it. Now you're owner operator of Fish Tackle Marine. You're yep. your own mini bass pro. And I mean, you do everything from in the store here to, I know you've got a really good online presence with your lithium batteries and all sorts of stuff. If you need lithium batteries, give me a, give me a call. That's uh, right. <laughs> Shameless plug, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I was sitting at home talking to my wife one day, like you know, the whole COVID thing happened, and I've been a mechanic my whole life working on cars and all that stuff. And people are always asking me to do installs on boats and stuff like that all the time. So I'm like, well, what can I do to start a business, you know, so I can be happy and not have to work for somebody all the time and and do my own thing? So I started thinking and thinking and thinking, and I was like, you know what, I have enough money saved up in my bank, my wife has a good job. She, willing to take care of me if the thing fails or if it works or whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to a tackle store. Hmm. I kind of just went on the limb and not knowing anything about how tackle stores operate, who to get in touch with, to get baits, any of that stuff. And next thing I know, I got a full-blown tackle store here in San Antonio. Yeah. It's crazy, especially like seeing you post and talk about it before. And then it came to life. I was like, wow, he's doing it. And you know what? Like, from what I was going through to see you rise and like do your own thing and you know all that that definitely like put in perspective like you can do it oh yeah know? I'm a big believer like if you have an idea you have a dream I wouldn't say it's a dream but if you have an idea or something anybody can make it happen yeah. regardless of your situation and all that stuff it's just the amount of work you put in to, to actually make it happen come I mean come to a reality I guess yeah yeah the one thing I notice is because I'm fortunate enough to stop by Will's here, uh, right over here on Austin Highway, because I bowl on Tuesday nights here down the road. So I stop by on my way to bowling a couple times a month and say what's up. And even as much of a online presence as the fishing world has become, you know, with Tackle Warehouse and Baitworks and all these different people throwing you, hey, Josh Spencer dash 10, get a discount and all that stuff. You know, everybody is so online nowadays. I do still remember how much joy I get out of going into a tackle shop. I mean, a lot of that people want to touch and feel and actually look at baits and all that stuff to see if it works for them to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. We got a last go out real quick. Yeah. That's all right. Couple more views on this podcast, we can pay the electric bill. <laughs> Hold on. Motion detectors. Come Motion detectors. Motion lights. See, this is this is why we do the podcast right here. That's exactly right. Apps. Yeah. Yeah. One trick ponies here. So. All right, we're back. Yeah, but no, I mean, I remember. God. Well, that's how I met Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. At Academy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I'd go in there for an hour, maybe only buy one or two baits, but yeah. just walking down each aisle, looking at stuff. I mean, that's the reason I still go into Bass Pro. I don't ever buy anything at Bass Pro. And I mean, I I say that I don't buy a lot at Bass Pro, but just being able to go hands-on, see it. And I mean, dude, Will, you're doing it right, man. Your prices, everything. I mean, I I don't know of anybody that has a problem with anything you're doing here as far as pricing. And I'm trying, I'm putting a lot of effort in. I'm really, I'm really trying to give San Antonio something different, you know, some, some stuff that you don't always see on the everyday shelves, that kind of stuff, and just making it accessible for everybody. And that's kind of the, the goal, the end goal with this too, is to, to grow it big enough where people are comfortable to come in and shop and get what they need and not have to worry about ordering online and why well, can't get this? How does this work? They can get that personal one-on-one experience of talking. Or to me, if I hire somebody, they can come in and figure out like, okay, this might work. This is what I want, but this might work a little better for me once they come in and I'm able to talk and touch and feel and definitely yeah well like that the whole connection you know by going online there's a huge disconnect now yeah and being being able to come in here on your lunch break like i do you know shoot the shit talk yeah. stories i enjoy that yeah i enjoy meeting people yeah. and talking well i think yeah. that's 
I mean, even when I was a kid, you know, back in the early 90s, I remember my dad taking me to the tackle shop up there on down Pedro and McClure, you know, when we were living in California and shooting the shit with these old timers and finding out what the bite was and if not getting lied to and telling fish stories. Yeah. I mean, that's the best part <laughs> of it, right? Story, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I hear some crazy stories. Here's some crazy things going on at the lakes. And what's working, what's not working, this is biting, and it's like, well, a guy came in five seconds ago, told me total opposite, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I hear a little bit of everything, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. So, I mean, as far as the uh, tackle side, which we've talked about, and I also know you're big into the lithium battery game. Uh, I think Ionic, Z, Z Pro, yeah, Z Power. Z Pro. Z Pro. Yeah. called Amp Power Shore, but it's now Z Pro. Yeah. So Z Pro, um, Ionic. Um, stuff like that. I do know. Uh, so you've got batteries on the marine side. You've yeah. got all the tackle on the fishing side. I know you got rods, reels, but you also offer a few other services here at the shop too, as far as like line spooling, yeah, rod, sure. rod, reel cleaning, stuff like that, right? From electronics, to batteries, rod and reels. Getting your uh, if you got broken rod tips on your rods, we'll get that stuff repaired. Uh, if you need new guides, any, anything having to do with a rod, we can pretty much do. Uh, Real cleaning, real repair, nothing too extravagant, but we do that too. So anything having to do with outdoors, pretty much fishing, that kind of kind of deal, yeah. Like I said, I'm working on expanding where I can do repairs on your boat, some of the installs and all that stuff too. So that's coming soon, hopefully sooner than later. But uh, yeah, so it'll be like a one-stop shop kind of for everything. That's badass. Yeah, no, that's that that's really awesome because yeah. he. Uh, the one thing I've always known about Will is, it don't matter who comes into the shop. It don't matter if you like to sit on a five-gallon bucket and fish for crappie or white bass or if he, you know, you like to come in and hunt monsters down at Falcon or, you know, down at the coast, chase redfish at Calaveras, whatever. I mean, Will's got a lot of the stuff you need in his shop, and he's pretty knowledgeable when it comes to all the different stuff. He's been been around the San Antonio game a while. Definitely. I might not be out fishing a lot right now, maintaining the store, but. I can point you in the right direction and kind of get you going to what you need. Yeah, it'll help you figure it out. Well, I think that's what it is. Like, you know, even when I did the, the, old, the old podcast, people were like, well, how come you're not fishing? Well, because I'm trying to do a podcast, yeah, too. And yeah. Once you get into the fishing game, you think, like, oh, my God, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be able to fish all the time. Right. And that's not the case. Yeah, it's not that. the case. <laughs> yeah. I get people wanting, like, hey, can I work for you? I'm like, yeah, it's my baby, though. I'm not ready knowing if I want to let it go. Like, what's your background? Are you able to be as knowledgeable? Yeah, I can train somebody, but still I want somebody that's hands-on enough to understand, like, the vision and the, kind of the goal I have at the store. Yeah. That's kind of why I haven't hired anybody, to be able to go out and fish more. Yeah. You also want somebody that can provide the same level of customer service yeah, that exactly. you provide. 100%. 100%. Yeah. But that's why, we, anyway, that's why we're bringing this to the forefront. You know, small business, that's what we're all about. That's what it should be about, oh, yeah. you know. All these oh, yeah. big box stores, like I honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I hate going to Academy because I feel like Academy is so overrated because they have every bait that I can go to Walmart and find. What's convenient? That's why. You know? it's real convenient. But that's just not because I want to. I want to know the backstory stuff. You know, like yeah. I want to be able to shoot the shit. And sometimes, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen like that over there. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Not since Marcus left. It's over. <laughs> yeah, same thing. I get, hey, I bought this at Walmart. How can you? I'm like, well, that's Walmart. We're open 24-7. Their fishing department compared to mine is totally different. So, yeah, yeah. I hear it all. Yeah. yeah, the nice thing about your department is, too, though, you are able to specialize yeah, exactly. in a lot more things. Like, I noticed that you have some baits that you're not going to see at Academy. You're not going to see at Bass Pro and stuff that really pertains to Central and South Texas fishing. Yeah. I'm really big into the custom one-off stuff. If I can get somebody that's like a custom lure builder that caters to our Texas waters, that kind of stuff, I'd rather have somebody like that in my store rather than, you know, your Zoom products or something like that. Definitely. That's just my thinking. Because you can go anywhere in the country and buy Zoom or any of the big name brands, but the more I can kind of set myself apart and be different, the better it is for me. And I feel like that's better for the anglers and all that stuff, too. They have different uh, baits and, and lures and tackle and all that different stuff. And everybody's not throwing. It might help your catch from somewhere down the line, too. Well, definitely. I mean, there, there's another tackle shop in town. But I come in here just because I feel like there's more variety of product when it comes to bass. Yeah, yeah. Like so I'm a big bass guy, so that's my true passion. That's, that's my first love, you know, is bass fishing. Everything else is kind of like, oh, let me try this, see if I like it. That comes to crappie and some of the saltwater stuff, you know, 
Josh is staring at me over here. <laughs> I just get seasick when I go saltwater fishing all the time. I want to get more into it to be able to experience more so I can relate more to my customers about the saltwater. So. Well, we got a guide right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but that's the nice thing is, you know, that's one of the crazy things about us living in San Antonio is, yeah, my saltwater customers love to come catch redfish and trout and stuff, but we're one of the few places, if the only place in the country where you don't have to drive to the coast to catch yeah. redfish. Right. You can go catch them right here at Calaveras and Browning. I mean, there's guys that whack them out there every day. And it's crazy to think that we're the only state or only city in the entire world, well, I guess you could say the U.S., that has two lakes that hold freshwater redfish. Yeah. I mean, there's other little private local ponds, or I wouldn't say local, but private ponds that offer that stuff. But you're going to pay a premium to go fish them. But we're the only place in the U.S. that offers freshwater drum to the public. Yeah. Speaking of Calaveras and Browning, I don't know if it's true, but I heard a story, God, when I was growing up from one of the old timers, he used to go out there and fish Calaveras and Browning all the time, bass fishing. Because, I mean, th those used to be gems that a lot of people did not know about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. stories of catching, stories of him going out there and sinking toilets and yeah. old washing machines and dryers, catching yeah. 10s, 12s out of Browning. Really? But he was telling me when Texas Parks and Wildlife was messing around with the whole redfish deal, way before that, they actually stocked five tarpon. Yep. It was either Calaveras or Browning. I don't know. I think just, the tarpon went in Browning. Just to see what they would do. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, this map I have hanging in the store here, if you flip it around, it gives you the back history of like, uh, I think it's 1988 to 91. They had the top. Mm. I think it's top. Texas Bass Lakes and had Calaveras rated number one in that entire nation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about in a state where you've got Amistad, Falcon, yeah. Sam Rayburn, Toledo Ben. The average size of the fish, I think it was six pounds. And the catch rate was seven to eight fish per hour. That was average. Six pounds. Average. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody was catching five, you know, five pounds or better throughout the whole day, yeah. nonstop. Nowadays, six, six to eight fish a day seems like yeah. a a good day with as low as the lakes are around here yeah, so you're catching 30 pounds an hour like what the heck's going on man? yeah well you did what how, how long ago was it when you went out to brownie and just got a big bag uh that was three years ago that i fished it really really hard about the 18 20 pound bag yeah. that was a good bag i still watch the video <laughs> i see you not <laughs> that's a lot right. of people know there's bass out there but you've got to work for them and catch them yeah like my pbs came out of calaveras so at eight and a half pounds like what's the ratio cast ratio the uh, fish ratio uh, like at every thousand cast no nah, not that high no nah, not the time i look at it more of the, the time frame it's probably around for every hundred cash you might catch one yeah yeah i'll do that yeah depending on the time of the year that you're there yeah. winter time definitely i wouldn't <laughs> say winter more spring yeah. yeah well that's cool because those are also power plant lakes yeah. so they're yeah. always a little Hot. bit different they're definitely warm. You know, we have a lot of those power plant lakes around Texas, Fayette County, and a bunch of other ones that are pretty close to here that are really good. But they're about to get shut down, so that's going to be changing. And like, they're really? about to get shut down. Yeah. Uh, CPS had a big meeting the other day about coal, burning coal. And they agreed uh, to uh, end coal production, pollution, and all that stuff. So I don't know if they're going to turn into a natural gas plant, get rid of it all together, or what's going to happen. This really? Was just yesterday, yeah. Wow, that's crazy because that's going to be. So my fingers are crossed that they do get rid of it, turn it back into a bass lake again. That way we're not traveling an hour, hour and a half for a good bass fishery. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, really, when the when all the bass lakes around here are firing on all cylinders, I mean. Like Christmas time for grown men. <laughs> it is, but you think about San Antonio, I mean, you do have to travel a little yeah. bit. I, I mean, we're set up in the best spot as far as fishing because we can go three hours any direction and be at one of the best lakes. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Favorite lake. Favorite lake. Well, first, Josh. Yeah. I mean, name? Falcons paid me the best. I would say I would say Falcon's my favorite. Um, I mean, as of right now, Falcon is my favorite lake, but I was fortunate enough five years ago, back in 2018, my partner and I won a pretty big tournament down there and uh, it paid us pretty well. We were able to take 20 grand to the bank and it was able to support my fishing habit for the next four or five years. I think I'm, I've done blown, th blown through that money by now, but 
But no, I mean that was that was just a it, it Falcon. My favorite lake to go to though is probably Amistad. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know if it's the clear water, clear water, great scenery. Just, that that West Texas yeah. mystique or whatever. Yeah. I mean, even hunting, I've always enjoyed going out to West Texas and stuff. I, I Amistad is probably probably my favorite. Yeah, my favorite for sure. Well, I guess we're all agree. Yeah, that's, oh, that's mine too. Yeah, I, and 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 it's just to me, it's the whole package. Yeah, between good fishing, scenery. I like the town. I mean, Del Rio. It's yeah. you know, it's pretty laid back and, and far enough away to get away from everything, but you're still close enough. Exactly, exactly. So de- definitely, Amistad's my favorite. You're wrong. I like choke too, but I feel like choke just gets so much pressure. So many people fish it. I can't figure it out. One day I might have a good day, and the next week, and it totally sucks for me so yeah that's i think that's love hate relationship with choke and falcon like that, you know? yeah there that's what i've definitely learned about falcon is it seems like the few times i've been down there fishing and stuff like that we either go down there and i guess that's fishing in general but yeah. it seems like it is so hot or cold for me yeah you're either on them or you're leaving with your tail yeah because i mean i've had just as many two fish days on Falcon as I've had 20 fish days on Falcon and I don't know why, but I think that's also a lot due to I've gotten bad over the last five years on the bass fishing side. Like, you know, I do guide down at the coast and I would say down there, I fish a lot more just to fish just for fun. Yeah. So you don't have the pressure of like, and it, catch a big bass or something. Like and that. it seems like over the last four or five years, well, ever since 2018, when my partner now and I started fishing together, every time I go to a bass lake, I'm, I'm usually not going for fun. I'm mm-hmm. going to either, yeah, reason why you're there. I'm either pre-fishing for an upcoming coming tournament or I'm scouting for something else. It's, it's always work. So yeah, the bad days are we're really outnumbering the good days. Honest, that's kind of why I got away from some of the tournament fishing. I got not fishing, well, fishing, tournament fishing stuff. Uh, I got tired of having that, that pressure on you. Like you always got to do good. Like mm-hmm. one of the reason I'm going fishing is because of this tournament. I just wanted to get back to fun fishing and like, uh, enjoying it again and not the tournament type thing. You, you know, know, that's right. Cause I, I never realized it actually until about two years ago, one of the guys in elite bass club was talking to me and he's like, man, why don't, why don't you fish more club stuff? And, and I started thinking about it and really from January through May, like we talked about last week on the introduction, you know, Really, January to May is hot and heavy bass tournaments yeah. in Texas. Well, when you're someone like me that works a Monday through Friday, eight to five job. Yeah, 90% of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've only got weekends off. Well, if I know I've got a big tournament coming up three weeks from now at the end of the month, and I've got one weekend before then to go fishing, am I going to go fish a club tournament on Canyon Lake? Or am I going to go out to Amistad and pre-fish for a big tournament? So I found myself just always constantly, where's my next tournament? Where am I going? Where am I going? And it really did kind of take me out of touch of just going fishing. Just going fishing. That's exactly how I felt. I'm the same way. I mean, work kind of got involved and it's been like, you know, I'm I'm actually surprised I got time for this. But I'm going to do it. I'm making damn time. What's yeah, gotta happen wanted, this time? I wanted to catch different species too. Like I fell in love catching crappies. Yeah, if I caught them by accident. And that kind of turned me on. Like this is actually pretty cool catching crappies. Yeah. Yep. I started doing the redfish thing abroad. Yeah. yeah, and that's another yeah. good thing. Yeah. You Maybe know that is why we have it. That is one thing I've still never done. Really? What, go yeah. Abroad and catch them? Never. It's fun. I totally have... opposite from the surf well, the coast on there. Yeah, I mean I've never done it, and I'm. You would think. Growing up in San Antonio, Texas, hell, now I live in Laverne. I'm only 25 minutes from Calaveras and Brawning. I've never been. Uh, I was talking to Clinton, and he was he was running, giving me the whole rundown on like what to rig and yeah. fish bites and, and like all this stuff. And I was like, fish bites work, by the dude, way. I, I can't do that, dude. I can't just sit there. I got, this is the I thing. Got, I, I got ADHD. People, people want to troll for them. They want fish bites or they're bank fishing. That's kind of the basics or throwing rattle traps. See, I'll yeah. do. That's why I do the rattle. I trap. prefer to cast form rather than soaking a bait, piece of shrimp, or something like that. Yeah, see, I, I, that's my and and see, that's the that's the bass fishing side that come yeah, outs exactly. with you. Yeah, because I can tell you, 
like on some of my guide trips, man, I bait a hook, I hand them the rod, cast it out there, hand them the rod. And the first thing they're looking for is the rod holder. Yeah. Cause I'm going <laughs> to set it down there. We're just going to wait for this thing to go off. Yeah. Yeah. The trolling thing. I never got into the trolling thing. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of lazy. And you're bringing guests, especially with yeah. a two stroke. Yeah. I, don't want to do I that. think it's a lot of keeping everybody entertained and casting for one and you know, doing all these things. Yeah. Yeah, I tried soaking. I can't do it. Yeah. I feel I mean, like... If I'm catfishing or something with my kids, dad, or somebody like that, yeah, I can do that. You know, the one thing I can say about talking about earlier, just depending on what kind of fisherman you are, some of the fun trips. Uh, I actually used to live down in Divine for a little bit, and we had this older man. He actually used to work for CPS, he was retired. And we used to go to the Mason boat ramp down at Choke. Mm. And we would just drive down there with a bucket full of minnows and an aerator. Mm -hmm. And we would just walk down the bank and just flipping those minnows out next to those hardwoods, catching crappie when they'd run in February or March. And, man, it was a lot of fun. I was on Lake Placid and I caught them by accident. What the heck is this? Mm. Next thing you know, all of a sudden, I'm doing it. I caught them on Medina one time on accident. Uh, Medina's my least favorite lake, man. Oh, come on. Mother Medina is always going to be nice. I hear they're good over there, though. A lot of people catch property over there. They are. They, yeah. they do catch a lot of them. I've caught a, quite a few over the years and just fishing all the brush piles and stuff out there. You know, you're going to run into them eventually. Yeah. St. Medina Lake's my least favorite lake. But I won a Friday night tournament. Took home like 300 bucks with a fish that weighed 1.07 pounds. And that was big ass. See? <laughs> That's when the sponsor the sponsorship started, right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. The idea, everything kind of happened from there. I'm going pro. That's right. All right, Will. So now that we've kind of heard your backstory, you know how you got into fishing, why you like fishing, how you got into building this tackle store. One of the things that's always intrigued me about the tackle business that I don't know anything about is. I imagine a lot of the stuff you sell in here, you get through distributors, wholesalers, stuff like that. But there's got to be some of these companies, uh, like, for instance, I know Z-Pro, you know, you deal with that guy direct. Yeah. So you uh, have probably gotten to build and mold and create some pretty interesting uh, relationships with a lot of these companies that are a little more personable than you just flipping open a catalog and saying, hey, I need 20 powder blue and chartreuse 6xds or definitely definitely uh actually i have that relationship with the wholesaler too i can call them and pretty much reach out to them for anything and they pretty much send me whatever i need um i would say here in texas six cents is like king of the castle you know i mean everybody loves six cents stuff so they take care of me they're, they're open their doors are open communicate with me anything i need i can call them up and talk to them pretty much through an email or phone call Whatever I need, I, I can pretty much count on six cents. For instance, we had our, our elite open, our bass club open. When was it? Back in December? Yeah. Yep. Middle yeah. of December. And uh, a week before I reached out to him, like, hey, I got this idea. I wonder if six cents to help you know, sponsor the club, send some baits or something. Just, you know, show their name. Isn't there a Texas staple? I sent them an email, the rep, and uh, he's like, yeah, man, we'll take care of it. No problem. He sent over $400 worth of, you know, baits and stuff, exclusive colors, stuff you can't buy in the shelves. And they gave it to the club, yeah, put them in little prize packages and, and gave them away. That's badass. You you also sponsored some yeah, the yeah. big bass in that tournament sure did. too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Decided to reach in my own pocket and decided to, you know, make a name for the store. I guess not really make a name, but just the hey, we're here for the fishermen and help out too. I decided to do that and sponsor big bass. That's awesome. I tried to get some of that money, but I didn't yeah. get none. <laughs> Elusive. <laughs> That's right, just like the bass joke. But I will say there, there's pros and cons of working distributors and wholesalers versus being direct, you know, companies and stuff. Being a small tackle shop, you want to kind of find a balance of that to figure out what you need in your store, what you don't need, and how much should you stock. If you're taking a chance on this bait versus ordering 100 packs of this and it sits for three or four months, maybe you shouldn't have ordered it. Because some companies require you to order a certain amount of things just to be able to get them in your store. That's a cool thing working about some distributors. You can order one here, one there, or a pack of three or a pack of five versus some companies like, oh, you got to buy in bulk. You got to buy a case pack or five of this. But it just depends on what you need. You, you kind of figure out as you go what your customer needs are. So by being able to work with that distributor, they're the ones that are making those minimum orders from those yeah. producers. They're buying bulk, yeah, but they're buying thousands at a time to have them stop for that reason. Yeah. yeah. 
So if you go straight through and say like, what can I use here? Uh, Strike King, everything for them is like three and three packs, depending on what it is. So you buy a crankbait, oh, I like this color. Well, I automatically have to buy three of that color, regardless if I only need one or a special order for somebody or something. I got to buy three. But if I'm like, oh, this color is really hot, I only need 20 of them. Well, I got five times three or whatever, that's 15. So it just depends on what you want and who you get from, who has that color. And all that stuff. A lot of that is depending on what you need for your store and how it works and what's selling, what's moving, what's hot and all that stuff. Well, what's hot right now? Uh, this year, the chatterbait's been really good. The bass fishing. Um, anything new. When there's buzz about something new that's coming out, like the jackhammer, <clears throat> that thing is being 16, 17 bucks. And then the uh, JDM version came out, which puts that one like at 25, 30 bucks. People were going crazy over this thing. Yeah. Along with the, uh, what is that, the flatworm? They're $7.99 a bag, but since demand was so high during COVID, people were paying $20 a bag for a pack of worms. Yeah. And we don't even have smallmouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a smallmouth bait. Yeah. And people were freaking going crazy for it. Yeah. I was lucky enough to grab maybe like two cases of it. And I put them online and sold out like super quick. Yeah, because, you know, we're getting ready to, you know, here it is, middle of January. we got a lot of the tournament trails starting up. Uh, I think Bass Champs is at Choke this coming up weekend. And so, you know, you being in the tackle industry, like you said, you know, you you get to see the things that are what's hot, what's not. You know, if you uh, – if I, I, let's say if you had to pick one bait to throw this time of year in South Texas, what would be what would be something you would recommend to a customer walking in off, off the street? Ten-inch old monster worms. That would be my go-to bait for the advanced angler, I guess you could say. But if it's somebody that's just kind of like picking up fishing that's going to a random lake, I will give them a Senko. Okay. All right. Yeah, both still, yeah. I mean, strong staples in the sport of bass yeah. fishing, you would yeah. say. They're kind of do-nothing baits. You throw it out and let it do its thing on its own. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Something that you don't necessarily, I guess, yeah. have to have as much skill like working a crankbait or – you know, ripping a trap in grass or something like I've that. I've noticed a lot of people, like new beginners, they'll get frustrated and hung up or lose the bait and they want to quit already. See, I'm glad you said that because that was one of the things Joe and I talked about on our last episode, our intro, was just, you know, that's one of the hardest things about getting people interested in fishing is so many times you go out there and it's boring. Yeah. yeah. And as much as we like to say, you know, the, the cliches of, man, I'm just fishing for five bites today. If I have the five right bites, well, if you're taking a person fishing for the first time, five bites ain't going to cut it when you're sitting yeah. out there for eight hours. Yeah, especially a kid. You, know, you take kid fishing, they don't catch a fish that first time out, hang it up, they never want to go back again. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the things growing up. Uh, I grew up in the northwest side of San Antonio, like Calabria 1604 area. And I mean, I remember I had it marked. It was 19 miles from my driveway to the Reds Cove boat ramp at Medina. And it's, and it's true. I've, I've fished Medina a ton in my life. And like you said, it's kind of a love-hate relationship. But the one thing I will say that is good about Medina is it is a great place to yeah. get somebody introduced yeah. to fishing. You have somebody that wants to go fishing for the first time, take them to Medina. I mean, you give them a spinning rod, a 316 ounce shaky head, and a, yeah. and a bag of green pumpkin zoom trick worms and just let them have at it. Yeah. Y'all throw brush hogs a lot? at all here and there because that's that's like a, a texas staple even some of my distributors and like when i talk to zoom they're like do you want to order any brush hogs that's like the number one selling bait here in texas i'm like uh i hardly even sell any brush hogs but no i'm good you know yeah but i, I keep them here in the store for that reason because i know people want them but it's just a random question you guys yeah them. responsible for yeah. part of that 20k and falcon <laughs> brush hog was. Yeah. yeah just old school i will say i threw it a lot back in the day i don't throw it as much Yep, just watermelon red brush hog on a quarter ounce Texas rig. I'm more of the jackhammer. Yeah, like I'm willing to pay to more pay of a that. Power fisherman, you got to yeah. be moving. Yeah, yeah, I got to be moving. I can't. I mean, I I cut my teeth drop shotting, but after doing it for so long, we're well, in California. That, that exactly still in your blood. Yeah, but now it's like I'm out here and I can actually throw base at work. You know. No, I had a customer. His name is Troy. If you listen to this, same same situation you are. He's from California. I think they were going to Falcon this week with another bass club and. Uh, he came in. He's like, "Hey, what's hot at Falcon?" And I was like, first let me ask you, what do you have tied up? Like, what are you doing?" Well, I got my drop shot. I'm ready to go." I'm like, 
dude, don't even take a drop shot with you. Throw that, <laughs> leave that here. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, why? Like I'm it. like, let me guess. You got it on like six pound test line, right? He goes, well, no, nah, I have it on 10 pound braid and I got a six pound leader. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm going to take it with you just in case. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. Throw it. I'm like, I guarantee you, you hook one fish, you're going to regret throwing it. You know what I mean? Them fish are mean down yeah. there. Yeah. He didn't understand, like, why? Like, I'm like, you're going to get wrapped up. You're going to lose it. Yeah. It'll be the biggest fish of your life and you're going to wonder why. That's when I got introduced. When I went with Mike G, he, uh, he took me down there for my first time. And that's when. I got introduced to cranking. Like he was like, "Don't even tie on a drop shot. Just leave it in the boat." I mean, things are they're <laughs> tough. Yeah, they didn't yeah. Get drop shot out. But yeah. See, and it's so weird because if you had to classify yourself as a fisherman, you know, I guess for lack of a better term or whatever, I would be considered like your prototypical dragger. Yeah. I mean, I will throw a Carolina rig, a Texas rig, weightless. I don't, I don't throw a lot of Carolina. Yeah, weightless Cinco, um, you know, throwing a jackhammer, throwing a crankbait, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I do it, but it is something I'm still consistently trying to learn how to do. I mean, until choke filled back up a couple of years ago and the grass came back and that swim bait bite got real good, man, I I really wasn't a swim bait guy. And it's something that I've been having to teach myself. Yeah, that was me with the swim jig. Same time. I've never thrown a swim jig in my life. All of a sudden, the water came back up. That swim made by was that was amazing, dude. It, <laughs> yeah, it was on point for sure. So you know, those are those are interesting things that I've always thought were you know cool about you know the tackle. But getting back to the tackle shop because, I mean, it's still so awesome. I can't say thank you enough, Will, for yeah. letting Joe and I set up shop in your in your shop here. And you know, we really wanted to. Uh, hopefully get you some exposure and everything. And uh, I guess you could say that this episode officially brought to you by Fish Tackle and Marine. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hope to have you guys back and we can do this more and all this stuff too. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we would definitely like to have you on, you know, as much as possible. Cause I mean, I would love to do a, a once a month kind of thing or segment or something mm-hmm. with, you know, you know, what's find hot, out what's working, hot, what's yeah. not, you know, all that stuff. But right now the lithium battery craze is, stupid nuts right now with the whole lithium batteries like i got live scope now yeah does it really make a true difference uh there's this rumor on the internet right now you gotta have more than 12 volts to get it like an awesome clear picture that's not the case at all when it comes to garmin and your hummingbird units all of them are made to run between a certain voltage which is that i think it's um 20 to 9 volts mm. so that unit would operate between that voltage it doesn't make your image any clearer or anything but that unit is made to operate between that voltage. Okay. So you can buy like a 16 volt lithium battery. It's not going to make the picture any better, but you're just providing more power to your unit. Okay. So some people are using that as a selling point to sell batteries and all that stuff. But people are like, oh, I got a 16 volt battery and my image is so much clearer. But it's probably not because of that reason. It's probably because you're pumping more power through the nasty wiring that you have that was faulty when you were running 12 gauge or 12 volts through it. It wasn't working properly. Okay. So to kind of i guess continue with that you have a mechanic background yeah. you know you used to do that the one thing i will say because my fishing partner he's a very hands-on mechanical kind of guy and the one thing i do notice when he runs his graphs in his boat or he runs my graphs in my boat is that why these companies like bass tank and sonar pros and stuff these these designated wire harnesses where it's not so much the voltage, it's just cutting out the yeah. interference. Yeah, it's just clean, clean power. It's just one wire going straight from your battery, straight to your unit. There's nothing to interfere with it. There's nothing else taking a draw, anything, you know, causing it to, you know, have a voltage drop or anything like that. Yeah, because I notice I've been in boats, my boats that I've bought in the past or even other people's boats, and you'll be fishing, you'll be cruising or idling, and all of a sudden that live well pump clicks, yeah. kicks on and yeah. You see your image flicker a little bit or flutter, and yeah. that's just because of the interference. You've yeah. got too many things hooked up to one Think distribution about, I mean, point. We, a lot of us old, run older boats, saying like from like 95 to 2000, 2015-ish. Boats are kind of made like you have your main battery, and then you have a wiring harness off of that. And then you have a block that's underneath your, your console most of the time. And a lot of time, guys don't know, well, here's my power block, so let me just run my wires straight to that power block instead of straight to your battery. 
And with that, so you're probably running like maybe like a 14 or 15 gauge wire, which isn't enough, you know, sufficient to run that, that kind of current through that, that wire there. So that's like mistake number one, but people don't know that. So you want to run a bigger gauge wire and provide clean power when nothing else is on that same circuit causing interference on your, on your, on your units. Okay. 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 The other thing I, uh, you might be able to touch on too that, and these are just things that might help your average Joe or normal guy that kind of does a lot of stuff on himself, doesn't take his boat to the dealership every time, but the, the, uh, corrosion issue with batteries with terminals and stuff like that i mean all that stuff can play a factor right you'll get corrosion throughout a wire you might have a wire that has corrosion on the the tip you're looking at it like oh let me clean it off but you don't know if that corrosion has traveled five feet up that wire because it's conductor it's copper so it's going to conduct all that stuff and pull it through the the actual harness of that with that wire that happens a lot okay all right so if you had to uh sell somebody like as far as talking about what hots baits what's hot with uh in the battery what's a good setup for a bass guy that's wanting to get lithium batteries for his trolling motor and possibly a cranking battery or something like yeah. that well there's a rumor out right now that cranking batteries are like the devil they're going to blow up your motor and kill everything that was true probably about two years ago with lithium batteries because we ran lithium ion batteries now everybody's running lithium phosphate iron which is a lot safer chemical chemistry in the actual battery cell itself. Um, what that is, is uh, just kind of the way the battery cell is built. It's not wet. It's not a liquid or anything like that. It's just the chemistry. Lithium, like when you look at, I don't know if you remember back in high school, you had your periodic table, you know, all the crazy little uh, numbers and letters there. So you have lithium, then you have phosphate, your iron, and all that stuff. So it's a much stable compound as far as what makes electricity in your batteries. And people were hooking lithium ion, which is like the type of battery we have in our cell phones. So you remember people were getting on airplanes, phones were catching on fire and all that. Stuff. Oh, yeah. iPhones blowing yeah, up yeah. and stuff. Well, that's the same technology. We're in regular marine batteries when the first technology came to the market. So people were hooking those batteries up to their starting batteries, to their starting motors. And they're not designed to uh, provide a short burst of power for three to four seconds. And that would cause the battery to freak out and catch on fire. Hmm. So now with the advancement with the lithium phosphate iron and BMSs, which is the battery management system, it's a circuit board that's built into the battery and it's programmed, okay, somebody started the motor, I need to provide five seconds of 100, you know, 200 cranking amps, whatever it might be at that time, and it be okay. Then it shuts back down and it goes back to normal. So everything's kind of programmed to be a certain thing now versus running just your standard lithium ion battery when things are happening like Definitely. That makes sense now. So once people understand that, then, okay, I can run the battery. It's not going to void your warranty and all that stuff unless they can deliberately find, like, okay, this battery caused problems. Why my motor doesn't work anymore? And that was lithium ion. And I noticed a couple of the battery companies, or not battery companies, but engine companies, like, what was it, last year, Mercury just came out, and they approved lithium yeah, batteries yeah, and stuff totally now. They changed their wording on their, and their warranty. They also own rely on lithium now. A lot of people don't know that. So you walk into Bass Pro, you see a green battery sitting on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, because Mercury now owns rely on lithium. So that's why you go buy a brand new boat, it, you get the option to rig it up with lithium batteries, mm-hmm. because Mercury now owns that company. Okay. All right. Well, you know, so that makes sense with, uh, you know, the batteries and stuff. Now, what about if you have an older boat? Because I have heard some, and, and you, you might know the answer, you might not, I'm not real sure, I'm just kind of curious, but like, if you have an older boat that doesn't have an alternator yeah because i know you know some of the old two-stroke mercury's yamaha's evan rude's whatever you know they're using those old staters and magnetos and stuff like that and they've got voltage regulators and stuff on them and i've heard some stories that those really aren't sufficient for charging a lithium battery the way the newer two strokes and even the newer four strokes are i would say some of that is true like i have an hpdi which still uses a stator not an actual alternator but that's kind of dependent on the voltage that it pumps out to your battery to recharge it when you're firing it back up. Um, as far as like some of the older, older stuff, I would have to say, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't have too many guys running like newer technology in some of your older, older battery, um, older motors. Everything is kind of newer. Um, and the only reason I say that is because, you know, we're in the time of the season where all these bass pros are getting on social media and, hey, I'm sponsored by this lure company yeah, and this, yeah. and they're talking about all their new stuff. And I noticed that even to this day, 
a lot of the pros have made the switch to lithium for trolling motor batteries. They even have designated lithiums for their electronics. But then a lot of guys for the starter starting battery, you know, they're still running the 31 AGMs or whatever. That's kind of personal preference. That's all I think it is. Um, me, I think having that separate battery for your, your electronics, I don't understand why guys do it because lithium starting batteries have plenty of power to run your electronics in your boat and everything else too. But some guys still want to have that dedicated power just for that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You can totally do it. But to me, that's just another thing I have to remember to charge, take care of. And one day I might have a big tournament and go fishing and I forget to charge that battery. And I go out, I don't have any power, so I'm kind of screwed now because I forgot to charge the battery. Yeah. Yeah, makes we all, sense. We all been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough. I made the switch to lithium about, I guess, about two years ago now. And I run nothing but lithiums, even in my – uh, my boat that I keep down at the coast, my charter boat, uh, I actually bought my batteries from Will here. I run the uh, thirty single 36-volt uh, ionic uh, trolling motor battery. I run the 125-amp-hour cranking ionic battery and the uh, all-in-one ionic charger. So Yeah, best, uh, best investment I ever made for my boat would be the lithium battery. 100%. I got to get on that then. Side light scope and all that stuff. Lithium batteries are getting the best. Nicest thing about lithium is when you're a big boy like me, you do, if I'm sitting on the driver's side and that AGM's on the driver's side, yeah. that boat leaning a little lower. <laughs> I think the average lithium, say 100 amp, is uh, between 28 and 31 pounds. Your average group 31 AGM battery is close to anywhere from 71 to 90 pounds. Holy cow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I got what, four? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Four? Yeah. Four 31. AGMs. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Depending if they're at 71 or 90 pounds, yeah, you're looking at almost 500 pounds of battery. Come on. <laughs> I mean, but you never think about that. That's yeah. like carrying an extra person with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, then you're adding your water and your live wells, all that stuff, and it's 2,000 pounds of extra weight. In your yeah, because we ain't adding much weight when it comes <laughs> to the fish. <laughs> I got 100 pounds of water and 10 pounds of bass in there. But, all right, cool. So, uh, I guess here at the here at the shop, what would you say your uh, what's the next thing you're going to do with fish tackle and marine? I mean, I know you talked about possibly rigging some boats and yeah. stuff. I I know you have a huge selection of freshwater stuff, and you're getting into the saltwater. What what do you think the the next thing at the store that you're really going to try to work on and and bring to the forefront? Uh, I want to grow the saltwater side of things. I know there's a lot of saltwater fishermen here in San Antonio. I want to tap more into that market. Um, that's one of my goals for, for 2023, along with doing the, you know, the installations and all that stuff. And general maintenance, I don't want to really want to do repairs. I've been repairing stuff my whole life. I like my clean hands now, but just the, the installs. When people are like, hey, I want to buy this unit. I want to buy this grab. I hate selling stuff to people, and I can't install it. I mean, I talk them through it, I get them what they want, then they're like, well, I can't put it in. And I'm like, I feel bad that I can't do that. So that's my number one. So you're saying if someone contacted you and wanted to buy three new trolling motor batteries and a cranking battery and a uh, charger, like one of the Ionic bundles, you would yeah. like to be in a position to where, hey, bring your boat over, yeah. you buy them from me. Buy a bundle, get a free installation, that kind of deal, yeah. Or, hey, I got this, I bought this. Can you install it for me? Yeah, no problem. We'll take care of it. Okay. What about stuff as far as, I know you said you don't want to do repairs, but as far as like motors, are you considering maybe, I mean, all the new foil, all the new four strokes need oil changes. Yeah, yeah, definitely need... maintenance on the maintenance side. I always tell people that come in and talk to me like, hey, when's the last time you checked your trailer bearing? Stuff like that. You know what I mean? Never. Not necessarily <laughs> you have to replace them, but when's the last time you just checked them? Yeah. So as far as like maintenance on your trailer, Oil changes, water pumps, lower unit oil, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah no repairs, no blown power heads. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody does. No, no. I mean, I they're easy to do, but it's just, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then not only that, when you get into those big repairs, I mean, you're talking about having someone's boat sit yeah. at your shop yeah. for possible months. And, and yeah. yeah. I want things that are in and out quick. Hey, I want this. I don't want that. Hey, I want to put these lights on my boat. Hey, I want this troll motor. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's okay. Good. I noticed you got a kayak sitting behind us here too oh, yeah. in the That's shop. A whole nother world, man. 
That the, that, you got that pedal power. We're yeah. talking about 250 horsepower <laughs> over here, but you got that two horsepower, yeah. two pedals. It's yeah. almost like the kayakers versus the bass boat. You know what I mean? It's, it's a whole nother world. Like, um, if there's a tournament going on, you have a kayak and a bass tournament going on at the same time. It's like the kayak fishermen are out. Just screw those bass guys. You know what I mean, the boat guys. That's their own. That's their niche. They're real passionate about what they're doing. It's just a whole nother world. It's it's pretty dope what they're doing with the kayak stuff. I'll tell you that. Yeah, especially going out like now, yeah. I got the Bassmaster series with yeah. the kayak and all that. I got stuff. a lot of respect for those guys fishing in the kayak. No, no doubt, because yeah. they not only do they put in the time of learning how to catch the fish, but just the different yeah. boat positioning, yeah. just the flat out yeah. work they do to paddle and pedal themselves. Awesome. I've met a bunch of guys who got rid of their bass boats and jumped into the kayak world, just because it's so much easier for them just to load up the kayak. And still outfitted with all the latest technology and all that stuff, but it's just easier for them to grab their kayak, not worry about maintenance and all that, and just take off. Yeah. And you also have the access to all the yeah. smaller waters, little creeks, streams, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I actually went, one of my uh, really good friends in high school, his younger brother, his name's Jared Esley, and he is actually a guide over in the Galveston Kima area through, kayak. through kayaks. Yeah. He's a saltwater guide and uh, that's all he does. He's got a trailer that's got three or four kayaks on it and all the videos and stuff he posts. I mean, it's amazing yeah. what those guys do with those kayaks. So in the future, if I could, I would like to integrate like a bass tournament with the kayak in the basketball world to have them compete at the same time. I get a lot of that where guys are like, yeah, we're not scared to compete on a big body of water or go out with the guys in the boats. I'm like, why hasn't somebody done that yet? Yeah. I, I would imagine fishing as many tournaments as I have over the years. Your biggest, uh, the biggest problem with that is you would have to find a way, Don't you know. A way in. That's already taken care of. Well, not not so much a way in, but you know, launching? so well, no, no, Take because of most of them are trailering events, so you could drive and mm -hmm. launch wherever you want. But so many of the bass world is used to you catch a fish, you throw it in the live well. You know, that would be probably the biggest yeah the biggest obstacle it, yeah. the and not necessarily gripe but how to do it to where everybody felt like they were getting a fair shake yeah. it's technology times are changing there's a hat called tourney x there's yeah. another one called uh there, there's three or four of them right now, but that's the most fair way you hold the fish you measure it your hands in the way you don't measure it correctly tournament director has final say so over it it doesn't count it doesn't count it counts it counts so they even with the basketball world, sort of like the Marshall stuff when, when they go to these slot in the lakes, they take a picture or weigh on the scale and let it go. So they've done a few things like that down in the saltwater world also. There's a big tournament series here in Texas called the Legend Saltwater Series. And uh, they actually just had a big tournament last weekend called Texas Trout Masters. And what they've had to do is because Texas, ever since the freeze back in 2020, mm -hmm. the trout limits have been drastically changed to where now you're only allowed to keep well down here in southern texas you're only allowed to keep three trout from 17 to 30 inches because i'm it sorry was, it was 15 inches it was 15 you were allowed to keep five fish 15 to 25 inches and one of those five could be over 25 well now you're allowed to keep three between 17 and 23 well when you're having a three trout tournament and everybody has to keep the same 22 inch trout it makes it yeah, eh. that's a little because you're measuring like on quarter quarter increments there yeah is no like 21 and one quarter seven eighths or anything so like that. so what these guys did was they went and bought scales i think they use it's a yellow scale i think it's the radical yeah. radical or whatever they call it and the way they do it is for the trout so you can weigh in trout that are bigger than 23 inches they have a whole system Everybody is issued a scale at the tournament meeting the, the night before. You're issued a scale. You have to, you catch the fish, you put it in the net, and then someone has to take a video of you. The you, 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 you show the video that the scale's on zero. Yeah. You pick up the fish. You hold the fish up. You show them that it is 6.2 pounds or whatever, and then you release the fish back into the water, and then you turn those videos in. Now, they still have the weigh-in part because you're allowed to bring 
those tournaments are three trout and one redfish. So you're still allowed to bring the your redfish back for weigh-in and stuff like that. But to allow them, because let's face it, if everybody goes and catches their one redfish and brings it in and then half your teams, yep, I've got three trout and they're all 23 yeah, inches. Yeah, like, well, what do you do then? Yeah, the weights are going to be so close that – so that's yeah. that's kind of what they're introducing down there. And it's actually caught on really well in the last like two years. I see guys griping about – but like I said, like we had recently with the cheaters, sticking the weight – Oh yeah, I can I can see that. You know, people people doing that stuff. Here. Oh yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. You know, so that's why everybody kind of uses those apps now because it's all measurement. You don't like it, your hands in the wrong place. You got your identifier. There's no cheating, but people to somebody to cheat. Yeah, yeah. It's always somebody that's willing to to skirt that that that, that line. You well, know the mean? one thing I noticed about the whole walleye deal because that took the world by storm. Yeah, people were commenting and. Any fish that didn't do nothing, they were. I heard. I heard on another podcast I was listening to that it showed up like in England. Yeah, it was all over on the. the I mean, morning America, everywhere, everywhere. But what I thought was really interesting, the first thing I noticed about that walleye is I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if someone did that in one of my local bass clubs, stuff these things full of weights. You know, first of all, you're only allowed to weigh in one dead fish. Mm-hmm. You have two dead fish. Your catch is disqualified. Mm-hmm. Well. Are those? I think those walleye tournaments. Are you not required to keep the fish alive in those things? No. Is that they so? Keep, they keep them to go play them, feed whatever they do. So now. showing up at that tournament with yeah. five dead fish yeah, wasn't totally a big normal. deal. Yeah. So that's how they were able to get away yeah. with it. You got a three pound fish weighing ten pounds. It's like what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we wouldn't be able to get away with that because no, no. I mean I can't. Sh- that that yeah. fish would never live. Yeah. Well, there's a guy that got caught cheating in the Bass Champs tournament up on Lake. Fork, I think it was. His name was Robbie Rose. It's all over Texas Fishing Forum. Uh, yeah, it was during a, of all things, too, a Bass Champs tournament. So you got officials there. You got, you know, your weigh-in guys. You got, you know, it's a, it's a worldwide tournament. Everybody, I think it was like a big bass tournament on Lake Fork or something. Uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife is always there because it's Lake Fork. They're always going to measure your fish and check it out and all that stuff. What he did was all the fish were alive, but yet he was still sticking those three, four, five ounce weights down the fish's gullet. You know what I mean? You come in the way if they put your fish in the, in the tank. Well, they noticed when he was coming in the way his fish, his fish just sank to the bottom of the tank right away. They're like, that's not right. So they let him weigh his fish and all that stuff. And once he came back, I think it was like a five pound fish and it weighed like seven, seven something. And uh, once everything was good, they took him into the, to the lie detector. This is all just for me reading Texas Fishing Forum. They took him into the lie detector test. He admitted to everything. And once they got the fish, they went back and checked the fish. They were able to squeeze the weight back out of the fish's stomach and all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. So it's not the first time somebody got caught with weights. It's just with social media now and all that stuff, it's glorified 100 times more. So the whole world knew about it. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's unfortunate. You know, any any sport or any kind of game where you're talking about I mean, let's face it, a lot of these big bass tournaments, I mean, yeah, you're fi- I mean, and you're fishing for a brand new. 21 foot boat 250 i mean we're talking these boats are worth 50 60 70 grand now so you're not fishing for a hundred bucks with your buddies it's uh it's uh it's pretty crazy what people will do to to get that going so i will always say my number one thing is people will always be people yeah there's always somebody out there doing something stupid (laughs) regardless of what it is somebody's always doing something stupid well they they cheated too like back on one bass over on the west coast yeah uh what like I don't know, probably about 20 years ago now. And he was doing the same thing. They cut him open and they found him. Billy Egan did. So Really? Yeah, that was a crazy one. Man, it's crazy what these people will do for wreck it. And, you know, sometimes I think it's from the recognition yeah. more than, than it money. is the money. Yeah. Being the top dog, I'm the man, I'm catching all the fish and all this stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yep. So but when you do it good and you're a top dog and you're legit, people are going to hate on you anyway. Yeah. They all say you're cheating even yeah. when you're not, right? <laughs> That's crazy part, yeah. So, all right, Will. Well, you know, again, man, we can't thank you enough for opening up your shop to us and letting you letting us come by and record this bod- podcast. We can't appreciate you yeah, enough, you know, you coming on the podcast with us. Um, so if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what are your social media handles, tags? How, how do they get a hold or shop at Fish Tackle and Marine? Uh, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, not on Twitter yet. Debating if I'm on Twitter. Tweet, tweet. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fish Tackle Marine, all one word on Instagram, 
Facebook's a little tricky. It's Fish Taco Marine TX for Texas. So I don't know why they went and let me use one word. I have to put Texas on the end of it. Uh, Instagram, Fish Taco Marine. I think I said that already. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, same thing. All one word, Fish Taco Marine, TikTok. And where is the store located, the actual brick and mortar? We are located in 2023 Austin Highway, Suite 103. San Antonio, oh. Texas, 7828. So that is, you would consider that what, north central San Antonio? I mean, uh, yeah, we're about five minutes from the airport, north, northeast, right at the 41035 corridor here. Okay, yeah. awesome, man. Well, again, I can't say thank you enough, and yep. hopefully we'll be uh, getting you back on this podcast soon. I'd love to do it again, tell you some crazy stories about you know, people coming in and, yeah, just some of the crazy stuff that, uh, I've experienced so far. Yeah. <laughs> Tackle store fails. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But thank you very much, man. Yeah, you guys are welcome. All right, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you.